All right, time now for your Miami Sports Pod. Will Manso, Clay Farrell this week. And, Clay, we have our first pod of the football season where we've actually seen a football game. So that's a big step in the season and what we can discuss. And we've talked all summer long about the quarterback situation, the type of team Brian Flores may want, who may be a breakout star, what are the surprises or good, bad, ugly with the Dolphins. And as we look forward to this week now with the joint practices in Tampa and the preseason game, what we try to learn from Atlanta as well, what stood out most to you about the preseason opener that you look forward to now into this new week with all the work with Tampa? Preston Williams. I think if there's one thing that you could take away from game one, it's that all of the buzz, all of the stuff that we have heard throughout camp, what we have seen with our eyes out there at training camp, that there is something legitimate there. Now it's going to take another step up in competition because now Tampa Bay has seen him in mm-hmm. a game setting. And so, you know, not that you do a whole lot of game planning, but you're going to at least look at film as you're getting ready for the Miami Dolphins. You are at least going to see him in these joint practices before your preseason game. So he's not a secret anymore. So now the next step for him is now that people are, are getting ready for you, how do you adjust? It's mm-hmm. kind of like in baseball when you get a new guy come up. Remember Kevin Moss with the Yankees years and years ago? Everybody thought he was going to be the – the next um, left-handed Babe Ruth or something. Well, I guess Babe Ruth was left-handed, but never mind. Um, so, but you get <laughs> it. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, but he never adjusted. Well, in this case, how does Preston Williams adjust now that teams know about him? So that was the one that was obvious to me. I think it was also among the things that we saw, it was probably, let's say, the least important because I think we're still focusing on the quarterback competition. And the thing that was really concerning for me was what was concerning all throughout camp to this point, and that's the offensive line. Well, that was my thing. Is that I didn't want to be the negative guy, but I always try to look. It's so easy to get caught up in the positive preseason because every preseason, every game in the preseason, there's, this, there's the story of the guy who, who, who plays better or the unit that plays better or something that happens. You're like, oh, this is there's a reason for optimism. But unfortunately, for this team to have any true success this year, they've got to be able to block. They've got to be able to protect whoever it is that starts at quarterback. And they've got to be able to open up some holes for Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balaj. Both, by the way, who has really, really enormous amount of talent. Both players do. And I think if they can give a little room that offensive line, that running back situation could be very good for the Dolphins. Unfortunately, the offensive line did not look good. And it's easy, as you just said, it's easy, you know, to you got to make adjustments. It's easy to get caught up in one game. You don't want to make too much of it. But the problem is this has been an issue all offseason long to the point where Brian Flores had the fire as offensive line coach. And the, you could see why. You could see why there was an issue with cohesion. There was an issue with, with continuity. There was an issue with consistency. This unit just doesn't have any of that right now. The good news is you still have a few weeks of the opener. Bad news is this is an off-season long issue, and if it hasn't gotten rectified at this point to at least have some sort of positivity and optimism that it's changing, then I'm not sure that it will change much, and this team will not have much success, Clay, if this offensive line doesn't block. The two best plays that Ryan Fitzpatrick made all night were both because the offensive line literally fell apart at the snap, and it was the the rollout pass that he hit Devontae Parker on the sideline. That was pretty. That was just a great play by Fitzpatrick to get out there and, and make that throw. And then the scramble for the first down on third and two. But both times, it's because the offensive line just straight up fell apart. And then as the game went on, it didn't get better. And and you saw Josh Rosen, the interception that he threw, understandable understandable that he was taking heat for it. It was a terrible throw. It was a terrible read. But they were also in first and 20. 
because they had just gotten a holding penalty. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like even when Rosen was upright, he was in a bad spot. And, and some of these throws that he made, and, and I know maybe he shouldn't have let the one go to Williams on the sideline, but he had guys draped all over him. Yep. That was happening all night. And the other thing, Will, too, we're talking about pass protection. They only had three yards of carry on the ground. So it wasn't just pass protection no, that, that was, was bad. No, was a breakdown all around. It was everything. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mean, we can talk all we want, and, and we're going to spend a, a good portion of this podcast talking about the quarterback competition and, and what we saw in game one. But the bottom line is it doesn't matter if Ryan Fitzpatrick, Joe Montana, Will Manso, Josh Rosen, or Dookie Lang are out there. If you don't have any time, well, he's not going to make a play. Dookie's out there. I've seen him throw. He's left-handed. He looks like he should be right-handed, and he can't <laughs> throw right-handed either, so it's a whole mess. But you're right, though. And, and, that's, and look, we may as well start with a quarterback now as far as our next topic, but it, the success of the quarterbacks is so difficult to judge because of this offensive line's inability to have any kind of consistent blocking and again I'm going to sound like a broken record and I'll probably say this after the second preseason game the third preseason game if they don't get time these quarterbacks just aren't in a position where they're going to have a lot of success Uh, I will say this though nothing there was nothing to me in watching that game and in seeing so far what I've seen from Josh Rosen and Ryan Fitzpatrick that's been surprising there's nothing to me that has changed my mind from the same thing I thought when the training camp started and really when preseason work started, we started getting a better idea of the quarterbacks and what they were doing in practice. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a more consistent, probably ready game one quarterback than Josh Rosen. And I don't know if that's going to change in, in a training camp. But Josh Rosen has the ability as a young player to continue to improve a lot of areas where he can improve and where you could see that that it's there you know what I mean like it's it, he's got something there which intrigues me to the point to think that the separation between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen isn't big enough to warrant starting Fitzpatrick over Rosen because you want to win games and granted that's the goal yes but I think Josh Rosen in the context that I just said of improvement of getting better of having a skill set at age what 22 23 and he can continue to get better will help you eventually win games and you might as well go with that now there's no reason for Brian Flores to decide now this is a moot conversation because the point is they don't have to decide now who the quarterback is week one I just think there's nothing in my mind that I see or that I saw in this game or that I think I'll see that's going to change my mind to say there's not enough separation to not give Josh Rosen that shot because we saw enough and we'll delve into the specifics of that game and and come again this week coming up with Tampa but we saw enough of Josh Rosen to say whoo Man, he's got something there. Is there something there to work with that you like? You hit the nail on the head. My biggest concern with playing Josh Rosen was uh, Brian Flores has told us from the beginning, and I guarantee you he's told his team from the beginning, that I am going to play the best player for the job. The gap throughout minicamp and the early parts of training camp between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen was was so big that – had he put Josh Rosen out there as the starter week one, if the gap had maintained where it was, Brian Flores would have looked like he was lying to everybody. And he would have looked like, hey, th- this whole competition thing matters at every single position except the most important one on the field. What we saw on Thursday night, Will, to me, was was kind of this shift where 
I don't think Flores would face any sort of backlash in that locker room if he starts Josh Rosen. And I think that's really important. I think he can look his guys in the eye. Hey, Preston, and say, Wilson, Preston Wilson, I knew it took me a long time. <laughs> yeah. Preston Williams would love him to start. Yeah, he for sure. Throwing to Preston Williams. For sure. And, and look, that, that starts a whole other conversation if this is all about building for the future. And, and I think you look at Williams, and, and in some way, shape, or form, he is going to be part of the future of this team. Yeah, you want him to build that chemistry with the quarterback that's going to be part of the future as well. But what I thought was really, really important is that now nobody is going to question in that locker room Brian Flores if he starts Josh Rosen week one of the NFL season. So I thought that was really important. I'm going to play amateur psychologist really quickly because uh, I, I, I'm not one, but I do play one on a podcast. Yes. Josh Rosen was the most comfortable that I had seen him after that ball game. I, I felt like... Throughout training camp, when when we had spoken to him in the in the media sessions, and look, when we're out there, it's hot, and these guys are just ready to get inside. They don't want to talk to us, and I don't blame them. But Josh Rosen seemed the most upbeat, the most comfortable. He seemed in his element. It felt like for the first time since he became a member of the Miami Dolphins that he could see himself in that position. Again, that's that's probably making too much out of it, but I just felt something different oh, something in him there. after that game. Yeah, I think there's something there. By the way, there, I'll tell you what, there's something always, and that's our sponsor today, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation, and I promise you there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac Buick GMC Pembroke Pines. The Vera family's been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service of Vera Cadillac Buick GMC, Vera Cadillac Buick GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. I think there's something to to your point, Clay. I think it's it's a fair assessment because I think Josh Rosen is is his element is playing football. It's what he loves to do. He he loves to lead his team. And I think this offseason, there has been a lot of talk about what he could be, about redemption, about is he still that guy who's worthy of that top ten pick? Can he get a chance here? And all that, I think on a guy like Josh, who's a very cerebral guy, a very, a very bright guy, but also a guy who, who gets what he's trying to do, I think it becomes grinding in the sense of like, look, I can't really tell you anything until I play games. And he finally played a game, and we finally saw a little bit about what we like. We, look, by the way, Josh Rosen was far from perfect. Earlier, you yeah. the pick. I, I, I thought he stared down. You know, he stared down yes. receivers. It's been a problem at camp for those that have been out there a lot. You read the reports. You talk to people who have moments we've been out there. You see he it is a habit that he has, and it is something that, again, these are things that as a young player he needs to break. But I also saw you thought – I thought you saw a kind of – it's interesting, too, Clay, because Brian Flores isn't crazy about this. The gunslinger mentality that he wants to rein a little bit, I like it at least initially because it shows that Josh Rose isn't afraid to take a chance. The the play to Preston Williams, the one where he was getting thrown down, a lot of people would have thought throw it away, take a sack, whatever it may be, ended up being a big completion. There were other plays where I thought he did a nice job moving away, finding receivers. I, I think as the game progressed, too, even despite making that early mistake, especially going into the second half. He made some nice passes. I say into the second half, and, and, and those listening probably think, well, yeah, he was facing a bunch of guys that may not even make NFL rosters, and this is absolutely true. But I'm just looking at the quarterback, the skill set, not necessarily the level of competition, what he can do, how he can move around, what kind of throws he can make. Look, I'm not going to tell you that, that from watching Josh Rosen in one preseason game against the Atlanta Falcons makes me think that he's the next Aaron Rodgers. But I do think that I see the reasons why the Dolphins made the move for him, and I see the reasons why he was a top ten guy. Why he's got he's got an interesting amount of skill, 
I already mentioned that he's a bright guy. I think he could learn from his mistakes, and I think he's far too young to, to cast off as some bust first-round pick. I think the potential's there, and I'd love to see him get more of a chance now. Yeah, I, I like the point that you made, and let's let's make this distinction here, and we're 12 minutes into this podcast, and I wish that I had made it earlier. I feel like our optimism about Josh Rosen is is largely because, frankly, he was so bad at times in training camp and in minicamp. So I, I felt like when I was reading uh, my timeline on on Twitter, the people I, I almost wanted to ask the people who were 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 ripping his performance, "Have you been out to any of the training camp practices?" Because uh, <laughs> again, I'm trying to be as as kind as I can here, but what we saw at times at training camp was just so not good. And and what I saw on Thursday night was really encouraging because I viewed it as a step forward from what we had been seeing. So the distinction I want to make sure that we're making here is that. It is not by any means that Josh Rosen was great. It was not by any means that Josh Rosen was good. It was that Rosen really showed some potential, and I felt like the more comfortable he got as the night went on, he showed even more potential, and that was really encouraging. And I, I say comfortable. I say comfortable despite the fact that, man, I, I just got done going back through and, and editing some stuff for our, our Sunday night show. He was getting hit over yep. and over yep. and over again. So there's something to be said for a level of toughness. I get it. The gunslinger mentality isn't something that, that Brian Flores seemed too keen on. But I think part of that mentality is also moving forward when, look, guys getting hit over and over again very early in their careers have broken them in the past. I mean, David Carr, what did he get, get sacked 60 times his first mm-hmm. year in Houston, something along those lines? Uh, I, I still feel like Ryan Tannehill never quite recovered from from how many times that he got hit early, early in his career. Few years. Yeah, and look, and we just spent the last, what, six, five, six minutes of this podcast talking about Josh Rosen. And all that said, uh, Brian Fitzpatrick's probably going to start game one. And, and by the way, if he did, I can't fault Brian Flores. No. He's the safe bet. He's a very good NFL quarterback, and that's the one thing we're getting about Ryan Fitzpatrick is you don't last in the league as long as he did has done so far and play and start the games he has, had the success. And look, in the last few years, he's had some success. He's put up some really nice numbers. In particular, he's had some very big games. He's a good NFL quarterback. The downside is his age, his upside. There, it, Neither is there. You know, he's, he's a guy in his late 30s who, whose upside is not there. Obviously, he's not a guy who's going to lead your franchise for the next decade or so. Not that Josh Rosen would be anyways, but the point being, he's a safe guy to go with. And if you're Brian Flores, look, this is a results-driven league. This is not a league that's forgiving. Even Stephen Ross is saying he's going to be patient and you know with Brian Flores. Adam Gase got up to a quick start in his NFL career when a couple of years was fired. You know, this is just the way the league works. So Brian Flores, having been in the league a long time, knows this. He knows that it's a results league. He knows that he can get a pass sure in year one, but you can't lose too many games. You can't rack up that that negative equity in this league and all of a sudden think that it's going to help you in the future. You got to win games. And while I don't see the Dolphins winning many games this year or being like a playoff contender, if, if Ryan Fitzpatrick gives us sort of consistency because of the level of play that he has as, 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 again, a proven NFL quarterback, not an elite quarterback, but a good NFL quarterback, I could see why almost by default, Brian Flores says, as a safe bet, as a guy who's earned it out there with consistency in the mini camps and the training camp and who's had a successful NFL career, 
and, and providing this type of game and a solid game, I could see why he would go with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, and, and you wouldn't blame him for that, as, as you said. And, and I also don't think that if he does go with Ryan Fitzpatrick, it is to kind of take a, a gap year, so to speak, where, hey, we'll start Fitzpatrick this year, we'll get a high draft pick next year, and then because I'm getting a rookie quarterback, then it's like I'm starting all over again. Brian Flores is not that kind of guy. He, I, I still firmly believe he is going to play the guy who he yeah. thinks is it, the – winning games. Right. Winning games. And now, now – Winning games now. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that's how it's going to be week one. But then who knows if this team – falls off the map a bit which if the line plays like it had it has been in camp and it had in it did in game one then that may happen pretty quickly but yeah I'm, I'm with you I it wouldn't surprise me one bit if he goes either way in game one but I do think Rosen will probably end up starting more games this year than yeah. than Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah does. And, and I'm glad you said that because I think to put the cap on the QB situation we talked about it last week in the pod is that uh all this talk is great. I mean, it's fun to talk football. It's fun to talk QB competition. Look, it's been, we've been asking, begging for one in South Florida for many years for competition for Ryan Tannehill. Now we finally have a legit competition here with Tannehill gone. Uh, I, I think the reality is both quarterbacks will start games this year for the Miami Dolphins. I really do. I, I think they'll both start multiple games for the Miami Dolphins. I don't see Ryan Fitzpatrick taking the job week one and playing 16 games as a starter. I'm not sure I see Josh Rosen starting week one, whether it be injury, inconsistency, poor play, whatever it may be. On this kind of team, you're probably going to have those stretches of the season where you're going to need both guys to play, and I think they will. This is just for the sake of, I think, this being, like you said, this is the the year, you, the, the general feeling from most is that the Dolphins will go to quarterback next year in the draft, especially if they're bad this year, as so many people think they'll be brutally bad. I don't know if they'll be brutally bad, but I do think they'll be bad. And, and I think that that's, that's the question, you know, is this a year where you give Josh Rosen a chance to see what he could do if he could be the guy? I think at this point, I'm not sure that there's anything Josh Rosen can do to salvage being the guy. I think really the Dolphins are going to look for a quarterback at some point, and that's not even an indictment of Josh Rosen. I just don't see Rosen going out there and throw 30 touchdown passes on this team with, with, with the issues that they may have. Now, look, Preston Williams and, and, and the positive you saw there, and I mentioned right off the top the running back situation with, with Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balazs. There is some good on this team. We already know Xavier Howard on the other side. Uh, interesting to see how the younger players on defense uh, start to grow. Look, I, I I love Christian Wilkins, and I thought even in the limited time he got the other night, I, I thought you saw the 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 ability. He just stands out when you yeah. watch him on the field. He's a big guy, but he's so quick for a guy that big. Uh, there are things about the Dolphins that I like the direction they're going. When you look at it as so whole, yeah, there there is a lot of for this is no pun intended, a lot of holes. I mean, let's just face it, there are a lot of holes on this team. But I think that there was enough that, you know, you see some of the youth, you see some of the things that Brian Flores may be excited about, and you hope that it's the next step in the progression of this team with some of these younger guys. Wilkins, again, he's a perfect example. He's he's the kind of guy you wish you could have, you know, I, I say you wish you could have 53 of them, but hey, you're not going to have 53 guys that talented. You wish you could have five guys like Wilkins, though, because he's bright, he's hardworking, He's talented. He gets it. Like, he's got that it quality that you need on your team for, for a guy. He's the kind of guy you could tell is going to come to the league and likely have an instant impact. Uh, and let me go out to the other to the opposite sides of the line. You started in the middle. I'm going to go to the outside of the line there. They, I guess edge defenders, if you want to call them that. The two guys that I really like defensively, Jonathan Ledbetter 
and then also Nate Orchard got in there for a sack. Um, I'm really curious to see how those guys progress. And and again, we talked about this with Preston Williams, where you know there wasn't a whole lot of film on him, and, and nobody really knew how good he was going to be mm-hmm. on Atlanta's sideline as they were getting ready for this ball game. So now that there's film on Williams, let's see how Tampa Bay reacts. Now that there's film on Ledbetter and and Nate Orchard in, in Miami Dolphins uniforms, I want to see how teams react to them moving forward. But one thing I'm not as concerned about as as I think some people may have been watching that ball game was the lack of, of pressure, the lack of consistent pressure defensively. If you follow Brian Flores and, and what he did in New England, they scheme up pressure. They don't they don't really rely on a lot of uh, our defensive linemen are going to get up there and beat your offensive line off the snap and just push them into the quarterback. They're really good at scheming pressure, designing things to put pressure on quarterbacks. And, you know, the one that really stands out was what they did in the Super Bowl against the L.A. Rams and, and particularly hammering the middle of that offensive line. They did it against uh, against Kansas City as well in the AFC Championship game. So if you're watching that game and screaming at your TV, why aren't we getting after the quarterback? Why aren't we getting pressure? I'm not concerned about that. I think eventually they'll find a way to scheme that up. What I am concerned about is what Brian Flores was concerned about, and he reiterated it in the in the conference call over the weekend. This team has to tackle better. And part of that could be the first game of the preseason. But for Flores to come out not once but twice and and call that a problem, I feel like that's something that wasn't just a message to his team. I, I can guarantee you in those joint practices this week, they're going to be trying to put guys on the ground. Now, the other topic of conversation is non-football related. I don't, I don't feel like, for those that are listening to the pod, trust me, I'm not going to get into some political debate here. This, one thing we don't talk on the pod is politics, and, and, and I don't think it's, it's with the sports fan. And Not that the topics are, by the way, not that politics is an important thing in our country. It's just you're coming here to listen to sports, and I get it. You want to hear sports, but the Kenny Still situation is an interesting one because post game you know he gave his thoughts on Stephen Ross and and I I look at it more and Stephen Ross obviously had a statement which Kenny still did not agree with obviously uh, all the things going on there not the specifics of what is happening but the specifics of the locker room and the way Brian Flores has to deal with it it's it's interesting Clay to me you know as a head coach you always talk about it's my job to manage distractions it's my job to, to, to deal with this team you always hear coaches talk about this and boy Brian Flores is getting thrown right into the fire in this situation yeah. because you're trying to teach this team your style your discipline you know it's going to team that's probably going to have a bumps in the road and now you have literally 24 hours before your preseason opener this story break this story become national news uh and, and we're talking the fox news and cnn's and and all these you know national pundits and politics talking about this so if you're brian flores if you're the miami dolphins football players how do you deal with this internally in the locker room and how and do you think this will be or can be a distraction for the Dolphins? Well, I was in the locker room with Kenny Stills after the game. So so let's start with with that part of it and I'll get to Brian Flores in a second. And and again, we're not gonna take sides on this thing as far as the the, the political or issue. Or even of delve it. into the specifics of it. Because no, I think we no, all no, no, know no, no, it's no. an important topic. Right. This is not us diminishing the topic of what it means and, and what Kenny is trying to preach and the issues that others may have uh, that that don't feel that they understand Kenny. Whatever it may be, that's not what this is about right now. I credit Kenny Stills for always standing up and, and answering every single question about this. Whether you, you agree with him or not, there, there are a lot of guys in professional sports that when a controversial issue comes up, they run the other way. And, and Kenny Stills 
whether you agree with him or not, or, or not, he he is always willing to explain his beliefs and and stands up there and does it. And he did it again on Thursday night. He backs night. it up. He backs it, it up in a, in a setting that was really tough to do, where you're crowd, you got guys crowded around your locker. You just played a game, man. You're hot. You're tired. You're sweaty. And and I give him a lot of credit for doing that. So the Brian Flores, how he handled this. So I'm in the locker room with Kenny Stills and. I had to go back and, and read Brian Flores' quotes post-game because they run these simultaneously. You can't do both of them at the same time. You have to pick locker room or podium. Um, so what Brian Flores said I, I thought was perfectly fair. I, I thought he said, look, I had a discussion with Kenny about this. I understand his takes on a lot of this. Um, what he's trying to do, and by he I mean Brian Flores, is we're a family. And, and we want to keep family business within the family. And so so let's let's go directly to Mr. Ross. Let's let's find a way to sit down and talk about this before we go out and we make it public. And so I, I feel like by saying that now Brian Flores knows that it, it's it's unlikely that he is going to face a topic that is uh, more national more national news type of a topic than this one uh that's going to garner more attention nationally outside of the world of sports so this may be the ultimate test for him he may not face one that is this tough moving forward and so what i think he did was he kind of set the standard for okay if you're passionate about something i i respect that i need you to come to me i need you to keep it in house and then we'll find a way to to move forward with this so what i think brian flores did was he kind of set the game plan for how this is going to to be handled moving forward which i thought was important now anything else that comes up he can go back and say look my very first preseason game i had to deal with something and this is how i set the tone for for how things are going to be handled moving forward there are two things about this that made me think it, it one thing that made me think it might be a distraction and the second thing that makes me think it won't be a distraction the number one thing that makes me think it could be a distraction is that this is the type of topic that tends to not go away because kenny kenny has a strong beliefs on this and right now nationally political talk is the thing so if you can incorporate the story and this story and keep it going, people will keep it going. When I say people, I mean the national media, the news media. Well, and let's it be becomes, honest, it, because because it is so polarizing, yes, people want clicks, pe- people want yes. whatever whatever metric you measure your yes. viewers, it's, it's your a, readers by. Any, any story that is political now is, for the lack of a better term, gold, because it's people are so divisive right now that they everybody's taking sides and everybody has their strong opinions. Again, as they should be, politics and life and, and, and the things about your life are very important. These, these are not non-important issues. These are clearly important issues. But the, the, I think the flip side to that is that I do think the news cycle tends to go quickly on things because then the next story develops. I think Kenny Stills, to him, this story isn't going anywhere because he has a strong opinions and he's going he's gonna to give his take. But he does it in a way that's, as you said, very professional. The only thing I will say about this situation that that bothers me is that people who think Kenny Stills is a bad guy, look, you don't yeah. have to group Kenny Stills, but Kenny Stills does everything the right way, in my opinion. He goes out there, you know why? He gives his opinion on something, he feels strongly about a situation, and he backs it up. Yeah. He he goes out there and he gives time. He spends time in the community, his off days, in the off season. This is an important topic. This isn't This isn't Kenny wanting to be the center of attention. This isn't Kenny wanting that people will talk about him and look at me and cause a distraction. I, I think that you could just kind of put away. So, But I do think that eventually this will go away in the sense that 
the next news story will hit the cycle, uh, that cycle of news, and it won't be this one. And I think Kenny internally, through the Dolphins, with Stephen Ross, through with teammates, has to figure this out so that they can move forward. Because if not, Clay, here's the thing. The flip side to all of this is this continues. I'm not sure how Kenny Stills can continue with the Dolphins. Well, and, and I was about to say, let's bring this back to, to, to the football part of the discussion here. This is a team that is really deep at receiver right now out there is and again this was I I never thought and this was before this uh, this past week when the the news of the fundraiser come up with came up with Stephen Ross I I never really gave it much thought that Kenny Stills was his job was potentially in jeopardy um, only because the skill set that he brings is a, is a bit unique that the Dolphins really didn't have anybody on the team that was the legitimate deep threat that, that has the history of tracking the ball in flight, doing the things as a deep threat receiver that a lot of guys can't do. Yeah. So I felt like he brought a unique skill set. What I'm curious to see moving forward now is Preston Williams is somebody that what we saw the other night, he, he has the ability to to do pretty much everything, but if you're going to have somebody like Devontae Parker, you're going to have somebody like Albert Wilson who is going to be able to catch the ball in space and go make a play. Jakeem Grant, pretty similar. Jakeem Grant can go deep, but he didn't have the history or the size uh, to track the ball and kind of beat a defensive back yeah. down there. The ball, He's kind of got to run past guys. But you're, you're going to keep Grant on the team, I would think. So let's count. Jakeem Grant, Albert Wilson, Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, that's four guys that are pretty much guaranteed a spot. I, I have a hard time seeing them cut Alan Hearns. I, I think he's somebody that's going to have a role on this team. That's five receivers right there. Historically, the Dolphins have kept five receivers. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to change now. I haven't mentioned Kenny Still's name yet. So what I'm curious to see moving forward is there could be legitimate football reasons why, given his his salary and, and – uh, where he is on the team and, that and, you could say you could a, you yeah. could let him go and that this is a a rebuild sort of you know, yeah yeah and that's a, what i mean and, yeah. and that's what i mean because he could he could help out a team that that is in need of a deep threat you know i, I follow the saints i mean imagine if if something happened to ted ginn the saints could really use somebody like kenny stills bringing him back and and so there there is there is a a way where you could see kenny stills for football reasons not being on the dolphins but after all this, I, I don't know that whatever they did, that it would be viewed, if, if they'd let him go, whether it was a trade, a release, whatever, I, I, I think people would look at it as not being for football reasons. Yeah, I agree. It's something to watch. Again, these are the storylines we're watching uh, at training camp after the Dolphins' first preseason game, heading into their work in Tampa. Before we go, Clay, let's uh, remind everyone our sponsor today, Vera Motors, when you spend your hard-earned money in a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC. Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. Final thoughts, Dolphins joint work with the Bucks. then a game later in the week. Uh, you were looking for what? Preston Williams again, <laughs> and, I, and I hate to keep going there. But, no, I, I think uh, how, how does Williams adjust to now being kind of a marked man? Uh, as uh, as Tampa Bay is getting ready, I I want to see if there are any fights this week in practice. That tends to happen with these these joint practices. I, I do want to see does the tackling get better? Uh, how how does Flores? So so he is has come out and he said this is the thing that I took away as being our biggest problem. 
the tackling. Mm-hmm. So how does the team respond to that? How, how, do, how does he motivate? How do they take that? So I want to see that, and then, then the obvious one is the quarterback. So I want to see if Rosen takes another step forward. Yeah, I agree, and I, and I think that's, you know, the problem I, I have in looking at this team is that I see so many issues that, that I, I, I don't want to be jaded. I don't want to be negative because I understand that it, when you're kind of rebuilding a team and you have a new system coming in with a new head coach that you have to be patient. I am patient. I'm ready to be patient with this team. But there are some things that you know you, you definitely want to see improvement on. I'm hoping to see a little bit better from the offensive line. That's hard to explain. It's hard to expect one week to another in the preseason. But to me, it's baby steps on that line because I would like to get a fair understanding of of the quarterback situation, the the running game, and what maybe this offense could be if they could have success. Because for them to have success with some of the players we've mentioned already, they need to run block, they need to pass block, and right now that's not something that they've done well all offseason. They certainly didn't well in that opener, didn't do well in that opener against the Falcons. So Again, joint work this week for against the Bucks in Tampa in the preseason game. Clay and I will be back uh, over the weekend to uh, assess it all and any updates on anything else that's going on in the world of sports in South Florida. Appreciate you listening. That is your Miami Sports Pod. We'll keep you updated all week long as the Dolphins work out in Tampa.